Turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32. I'm going to have a little different approach in my message this morning. I'll be more of a teacher. I want to deal a lot with history this morning. I want to talk about some facts. We're going to look at the Bible this morning to help understand a little bit about the nature of America, who we are, how we got here. I'll share some personal opinions, hopefully that your hearts will be open. And kids, I really want you to listen to what we're going to talk about this morning. Because 10 years ago, some of you children weren't even alive. Some of you children don't know, but I guarantee you every adult remembers where they were on September 11th on that Tuesday morning. How many remember exactly where you were and what you were doing? Absolutely. I remember when President Kennedy was assassinated. I was in the first grade in a little school building in Hernando, Mississippi, just after nap time, and the teacher woke us up and talked to us about our president had been assassinated. Things in America 10 years ago, September 11th, it was a Tuesday morning, Four airplanes were boarded by hundreds of innocent people. They were going to work. They were going back home. They were maybe changing their lives. They were on business. They had no idea what was about to happen to them. There were 19 Muslim terrorists. And these were people motivated by their religious teachings. I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning about the Muslim faith. We'll talk about the Christian faith. We'll talk about how the two are different. We'll talk about how we should relate to people in the Muslim faith. But these were Muslim people. We've come to call them terrorists or jihadists, but they were literally people that motivated by their religious teaching. You see, the Muslim faith is different from the Christian faith in many ways. One thing, the Muslim faith does not believe that in such something called original sin. We do. We believe that it was necessary for a Savior to come to the world to cover the sins of mankind. That's why the cross is so important to us. The Muslims have a multitude of rules that they go by, that they live by, that uh, supposedly will get them to heaven. There's a motivation because of the way following the rules on earth gets them reward in heaven. I saw the pictures of these 19 men that were trained, and many of them probably from their birth, were trained literally to believe that it would be pleasing to God if they would give their life if they would literally die to foster and to push forward their religious beliefs. They came to America. Many were trained in our flight schools. At the point in time, it didn't seem like in the Florida school, uh, it seemed odd, but it didn't catch the guy's attention when the Muslim guy told him that, I don't want to learn how to land the airplane. I just want to know how to fly it. Now, today we understand it because we see it in context, but those pilots... The murderers got on the airplane and they took two of the planes. They crashed into our World Trade Centers, symbolizing America's economic strength. One plane crashed into the Pentagon, our military strength, and one was headed for Washington, D.C. to crash into the Capitol building where they could literally strike at our form of government, where they could perhaps even kill our president. That was their intention on that day. The last plane didn't make it because several brave Americans said, we're going to stop you, and they did. That was 9-11. It was 2000. 2,977 innocent Americans lost their lives on that day. As we speak about this morning, it is important to remember. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 32.7, Moses is about to die. He's warning Israel to learn from the past. And he says, remember the days of long ago. Kids, can you say that with me? Say, remember the days of long ago. Come on one more time. Remember the days of long ago. Remember these days. Think about the generations past. Ask your father and he'll inform you. Inquire of your elders and they will tell you. 
So simply the Bible teaches us as, as, as people, as citizens, particularly as Christians, that we are to remember what happened yesterday so we can know how to live in the morrow. So as I speak today about remembering 9-11, I want to share with you from a pastor's heart, from a, a pastoral perspective to Christian people to understand perhaps a little bit about this day we call 9-11. I want to talk to you first about the cross being a symbol of hope. I want to speak to you about America that America, a little history lesson about America, the way we used to be, the way we are today. And how many know it's not as good as the way that it used to be? I want to talk a little bit about the Muslim faith. I want to talk about you being able to find God in a crisis you face because how many know life can change in a moment of time? So let's explore this together this morning. Why don't you turn to John's Gospel, John chapter 11, and let's reflect just a minute on this. And let me say that the cross is a reminder of hope during life's darkest hour. Let me say it again. The cross is a reminder of hope in life's darkest hour. We have symbols in life that remind us of things. We have the symbol of our flag as an American. I am an, an American. I'm a Christian first, but I am an American. When I say the Pledge of Allegiance, when we sing our historical songs, we stood today because we were singing one of the great songs of America and our nation and our history. We have symbols in America. Recently, there was a great monument dedicated to Dr. Martin Luther King for what he had done for the African-American, the black people in our country, for civil rights in America. And it's an appropriate thing to have symbols and remember, but the cross isn't particularly significant. If you remember when the World Trade Center was bombed, a couple days afterwards, out of the rubble, they found a cross that was literally made out of two pieces of metal. It was not fashioned in a shop. It was somehow these two pieces were fused together. It's 22 feet tall, and it became a symbol of hope. Actually, there was a Catholic priest that was ministering. He said it's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of healing. There's something about what it represents. And they say at this cross, it almost became a shrine. People would bring flowers. They would write letters, even perhaps loved ones that had died. They would make some kind of commitment because the cross had symbolism and power. One minister said a family that had lost a loved one, they said it was as if the cross took in the grief and loss. I never felt Jesus more. Now, it's not saying that there was anything mystical or, or uh, magical about that, those two pieces of metal, but it represented something. It became a point of God's grace. The cross is a bridge from heaven to earth. If you look at the vertical beam of the cross, it's almost as if it's a bridge. It's a way to get across this great gap that sin has created. Again, Muslims don't believe in that gap. We that are Christians, not just because we've figured it out, but because God has revealed Himself to us, we understand God reached down from heaven to earth, and that horizontal beam, the arms of Christ, when He was crucified, His, uh, his hands were pierced and blood was shed. That horizontal beam is where the sins of the earth was car were carried. And it made possible for us to be able to experience the life-changing power of Christ. You see, this, that reminded them that cross was a picture in this devastation. You see, in those days, as you recall, everybody prayed. There wasn't this idea that separation of church and state. We don't want anything to do with prayer. You religious people stay in your buildings. No, everybody was praying. Politicians were praying. Those adamantly against it, they were keeping their mouth shut at best, but most of them were praying because they confronted death and they couldn't do anything about it. It came in such a powerful, abrupt way that it captured the heart of America in particular and it left us in shock and we became aware of our need for God. For many people, the cross is a piece of jewelry. It's a decoration on the wall. But for you that know Christ, 
that know the power of His grace and the power of His forgiveness and love, you know that it means it's God's invitation to have relationship forever. Well, the Bible speaks of this hope that we have. It's a reminder of hope. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope is strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. Hope because of Christ and what it represents. It is an anchor for the soul that we have. Uh, We had three church members this week that lost their dads. Uh, Kevin and Wendell and uh, John talked to me this morning, John, and, and, and they said their dad died, you know, and I mean, you only have one dad. You have one mom. It's a, it's, a, it's a shock. It grabs you. It hurts you. You grieve. You cry. You don't know how to, but yet in the middle of it, Christians go to the cemetery and they're not happy, but they leave with a sense of assurance that if they were a Christian and if I'm a Christian, I'll see you again. You look at, you take the flower off your lapel if you, if you were one who brought the coffin If you're a family member, you take a rose and you put it on that coffin and you say, Mama, I will see you again because of Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Come on. Jesus told us one day the dead will rise. John, Jesus said, John 11, 25. Here's where the hope comes from. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Kids, can you say that with me? Look on the screen. Where Jesus said, I am the resurrection, can't hear you, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live again. And that is the great hope because when you face death, it is all over. But yet somehow for the believer, we can see the promise of God that, my friends, one day bodies will resurrect. One day life will come from the grave. How many know it is the blessed hope? The cross reminds us. Give the Lord a big hand. We are grateful for what Christ has done beyond what words could tell us. That's the first thing I wanted to tell you. But here's the second thing. Make your way to Psalm 33. America is not the same country it used to be. I want you to listen to me this morning because I'm going to tell you some things you will not hear in a public school. You won't hear talked about on on news broadcasts. It's almost as if much of what I'm going to tell you didn't exist in America's past. But America had a definite and deliberate Christian past. It was not just a religious past, it was a Christian past. Now I want you to hear this because most of us having been brought up in America the last few decades is there has been a a purging of America's Christian history. There has been a, 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 a misconstruction, a revisionism that's been going on. It's almost as if people have been taking a giant eraser to textbooks, to history books, to remembrances of how America was founded. Listen to these words in our heritage. Did you know in the Supreme Court's courtroom, above their heads where they sit, these men and women that are making decisions that affect every one of us every day, they will in a few probably months, years, make a decision on what's become known as Obamacare. Will America have a socialist system of medicine or, or will we go back to some free market? They make decisions about who lives and who dies. They make decisions about everything under the sun. Do you know that above their heads are the Ten Commandments? Inscribed in stone. You know, when they walk into the Supreme Court building, there's the picture of the great lawgivers in the world. But do you know of the great lawgivers who's in the center? Moses is there with the Ten Commandments. Now, listen to, you've ever heard of James Madison? Who knows what, what president was he? He was the fourth. Were you here in first service? <laughs> he was the fourth president of the United States. He's what's called the father of the Constitution. Now, I want you to listen to this because when we talk about the Constitution, that's been changed in America today. 
There is what's called a progressive movement that's trying to rewrite our Constitution to make it say things that you can't find it. How do you find a right to an abortion in the Constitution? I don't know. One day our Supreme Court will decide about is there a right to same-sex marriage. But listen, what James Madison, the fourth president, the father of the Constitution said, he said, we've staked the whole of our political institutions upon the capacity of each and all of us, now listen, to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. So what he's saying is, is we as Christian people who believe the Bible and God's Word that the Ten Commandments should provide an ability for mankind to govern themselves, that God's laws and rules should set boundaries around our life, what's acceptable and what's not. And he said it's the Ten Commandments that do this for us. You realize the Ten Commandments were on the halls of school buildings all over America until 1960-something when the Supreme Court ruled that we don't want this there because there needs to be a separation between church and state, between God and religion and the state. And here's what one of the justices said. They said, we don't want these words on the buildings of our schools because the children might read them and obey them. We'd much rather have metal detectors. We'd much rather have a police department at our school. I believe at TISD, the last I heard, there were 11 full-time policemen, women, that are serving there to keep order and keep safety. That's not what our founders thought. And I'm not denying the need for law enforcement, but what I'm saying is we should be governed, come on, from within by the commandments of God, not from the pressures exerted from outside of us by the state. Well, if we look back at our history, you can't deny these things. Patrick Henry, a founding father, now listen to this. A founding father said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Patrick Henry, this nation was founded by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine if someone in government tried to say that today? They would be belittled on the news stations, they would, be cre- they would be talked about as they were some uneducated idiot when actually the truth is, my friends, our founders understood and they built our nation firmly on this book. The lawyers were originally educated from Blackstone's commentary of the law, filled, filled with Bible verses. Uh, Noah Webster's first dictionary, definitions of words were filled with Bible verses and scriptures and biblical examples. This is the history of our nation. You know, every Congress, every session of Congress begins with a prayer by a paid preacher since 1777. Declaration of Independence, 1776. Shortly after that, our Constitution, they find a man of God, they pay him, listen, and they, so that he can make sure that he prays, teaches them, and asks for God's wisdom. It's going on till this day. So it, is an, it, it, it eclipses reason to me when someone wants to sue to stop prayer in our county court commissioner's meeting today. But it's true. It's happening. But this is America's history. The first Supreme Court Justice John Jay said Americans should select and prefer Christians as their rulers. Now, how many would say, we've come a long way, baby, and it's not been a good way? We've come a long way. And some of you are looking at me like, where do you get all those crazy things? You just look, my friends, and do a little research. If this is brand new to you, here's where I would go, wallbuilders.com wallbuilders.com, David Barton, a Christian historian. I mean, it is tremendous, but it's the history of our great land. People who try to remove God from government, they're either ignorant or they're a diabolical liar. 
I don't know what else they might be. It's all there in black and white. But just because they don't like it, they want to take a giant eraser to America and recreate America in their image. Our founding fathers were patriots, but they were grounded in biblical faith. But listen, they were tolerant of all religions. You know, the people that founded America, they came, when they came from England, there was a state church in England. I mean, literally, you know, a state church where the government was in control and they left in pursuit of religious freedom, not just to make money and steal from the poor Indians. They left in search of religious freedom. They founded in America and they wanted to make sure that we didn't have the government controlling the church in America like they did in Europe when they just left. And there was a deliberateness in our founding documents to protect religion, unlike today what we see. When you see and hear people today that say, well, we, you know, we shouldn't pray in school, we shouldn't have Bibles in school, and all these different things, and they cite the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, which is called the Establishment Clause, that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, and they stop right there. They stop, and they don't add the phrase that said, or prevent the free exercise thereof. And the government's role is not to control religion, but it's to protect the religious expressions of its citizens. I'm preaching way better than you're amening this morning. I'm just talking about history of our nation. I'm talking about the way that it should be. Well, that was the history of our, of our great nation. This is what, uh, how did we drift so far? Proverbs, or Psalms 33, 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He's chosen as His heritage. The reason America is the most favored nation in the world is because God has blessed us. It's not because of the, of the Industrial Revolution. Come on. It's not because of computers that were developed by IBM. It's not because of Google or the Internet. It is because God has blessed this nation. This nation that was started, the nations of Europe began to be jealous of America. And in 1835, the French statesman Alexis de Tocqueville, he came to America to try to figure out why are these people so blessed over there? Listen to a partial quote of what he said. He said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America. I looked in her harbors, her fields, uh, her rivers, her forests. In other words, I looked for economic reasons, but it wasn't there. I looked for the greatness of America in her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, but it wasn't there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness. That is what is missing in America today, my friends. Churches have watered down the truth of God's Word. People are afraid to say, thus saith the Lord. We're, we're ignorant of what the Bible has to say. Come on. We've let our seminaries retrain us to believe the Bible is not even the Word of God. Do you realize most of the universities in America were established as divinity schools? Harvard and Yale and Dartmouth, they were all established to train preachers. Now, today, they deny the very Lord that bought them. You can go and even research their constitutions, and you will find the name of Jesus Christ scattered throughout. I wish the opposition would just be honest enough to say, is we don't want you and we don't want your God. And that's the issue of the heart of the matter. But that's, that's the history of America. And listen to this. It's almost a prophetic statement. Um, uh, Mr. Tocque de Tocqueville said that America is great because she is good, and if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. If America ever... Listen, we don't even know what is good in America today. Because our world, when we got rid of the Ten Commandments and the boundaries, we basically said everybody gets to make up the rules for themselves. Everybody gets to decide what's right and what's wrong. I agree. 
Everybody gets to make it up as you go. Not true, my friends. Whether you like it or not, the Bible teaches that God is the great lawgiver. Our choice is to obey or disobey, but one day we'll stand before God and give an account. Now listen, this same cross that I talked about, the World, uh, the, the World Trade Center cross uh, that's pictured on that center screen, there's a lawsuit today trying to stop it from being it preserved in a, in, in a museum on ground zero. It's a lawsuit that basically said it's, it's, it's brought by a group of atheists, and here's what they say. These atheists say that they don't want the cross exhibit at the World Trade Center because it makes them depressed, it gives them headaches, anxiety, mental pain, and anguish from the sight of the cross. Well, better a little mental anguish today and an opportunity for conviction than to stand before God on Judgment Day. One person somehow has the right to file a lawsuit in our court system that has drifted so far. Come on. Now listen, next time we preach, I'll give you about 20 scriptures. But today, let's talk a little history and reality and fact about America. Our court system basically just makes up things as it goes. And that's one of the great problems with America today. Is that we have with scissors cut away our, our historical grounding of the Constitution, of the founders, of, of the role of religion in America. But it's not just that World Trade Center across the mayor of New York when they're remembering this weekend. He says, we don't want any clergy there. No prayers. We needed prayers in crisis, but now we're back in control again. Now we're strong. In New York City, we've got a thousand people. It's almost like a little army that has tanks and ships to protect us in case there's a dirty bomb or something released. We're okay. We'll take care of ourselves. How easily we forget. I just went to visit my mom and dad, a little town I was raised in, in northern Mississippi. They still were saying prayers before football games. And a group of atheists from Wisconsin told the superintendent that we're going to stop you from praying or we'll sue you. And they stopped. The same group that is, su that is threatened to sue uh, Bowie County if the commissioners don't stop praying before a commissioner's court meeting. I, I read this extensive 10-page letter, but the whole perspective is from a liberal interpretation and a bias against the founders of our nation and explaining away much of what I just told you today. But I'm telling you, just because you see it on TV doesn't mean that it's true. Just because the first thing that comes up when you Google a question, that does not make it true. Did you know the little shaded area in those first couple ads means that somebody is paying for that to be the first response? But if you look at it and you think, well, that must be true because that's what Google says. I think it must be true because of what the Bible says. Not, not because of what Google says or what the majority says or what somebody else has to say or a teacher, whatever the case may be. Now, how do you explain this drift? How do you explain this antagonism and hostility? In Massachusetts, a school district is trying to sue to take the Pledge of Allegiance out of the schools. Let's get rid of patriotism. And can I say this, a personal belief, but I believe one of the great problems in America today because we have so much, if I can say, diversity that does not assimilate into our culture, that we don't speak the same language, we don't hold to a common set of values. That doesn't mean we have to all be clones, but it simply means there needs to be something that holds us together as Americans. There needs to be something that when people came to our country legally and they applied through the immigration process, 
and they learned the Constitution, and they said the Pledge of Allegiance. And then they could still speak their language, and they could still have their own identity, but there was a common culture in our nation. We've lost that in America today, friends. We've lost it in America, but it turns into hatred when Christians try to stand up. John 7, 7, I can explain this to you. Jesus said this. He said, The world hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Kids, I want you to read that today. When you see someone that is angry or hostile or hates you because you're a Christian, Jesus said, The world would hate you because you testify or hates him because that its works are evil. And you know that Jesus said, If the world hates me, it's going to hate you too. Now, we don't go out looking for hatred. How I many know we are motivated by love? The terrorists on September 11 were carrying out the religious edicts they had learned. Let me say it again. The Muslim religion, that's what they were doing. They were carrying it out. But we're taught, John 3, 16, For God so that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The first commandment was to love the Lord with all your heart. Jesus said the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm going to explore what the Muslims teach in just a moment. But Proverbs 14.34, it warns us. It says, doing what is right makes a nation great, our past, but sin will bring disgrace to any people. And can I tell you, it is a prediction of America that if we throw this Bible out the window on a continual basis, America will become a laughingstock in the world. America, listen, our dollar no longer is drifting away from being the reserve currency of the world. How the world laughs at us when we borrow or print 43 cents of every dollar that's spent. It's not real money. It's fake, phony money. And we just keep going and going and going. It cannot go along forever. The world knows that. That's why central banks for several years have been buying as much gold bullion as they can. And I'm not selling gold coins today, okay? But I'm just telling you, the world knows that it cannot continue as America the course that we've been on. And we're becoming a disgrace. I am preaching way better than you're amening this morning. Okay. Oh, me or oh, my, you can go in about 10 minutes. Now, what do you do, though? Do you just get mad because of this stuff? Or what can I do as a Christian? Well, let me tell you the first and most important thing we do. We're to pray for our leaders. The Bible tells us in Timothy that you're to pray for those in authority that you might lead a quiet and peaceable life. How many want to have a happy life? Come on, kids. How many want to have a happy life? Every one of us. Well, the Bible says it starts with praying for our leaders. I hope you pray for your president every day. I don't care if you like him or hate him. You need to pray for him. Our Congress people, listen, whether they appear to be insane or reasonable, you need to pray for them. It is the first thing. Pray for them that God would touch their hearts and somehow use them. God may be using our leaders to, listen now, to lead us in a course where we are humbled and judged to cause us to repent. Because sometimes God's got to knock your legs out from under you, so to speak, to get rid of your pride before you're aware of your need for God. And it could be we're on a headlong path towards humility in America. But anyway, number one, pray for your leaders. Number two, you need to push back against people that are trying to take our rights away. We are Christians, but we're Americans. And because we're Americans, we have rights. And just because these rights are being taken away, how many know sometimes we need to stand and push back? And whatever that means. 
We always need to have a spirit of love, but we need to have courage about us as well to stand up for what is true and stand up for what is right. Somebody say praise the Lord. Listen, we need to elect people who stand for our Constitution. I've talked about our Constitution being developed by Christian men, by people who gave their lives for what we have. You need to, in my opinion, you need to vote for people who stand for what the Constitution in its most basic sense said, not for the revisions that's being added to it as we go. Listen, people that will stand for these values that anchored us. Bottom line, we need to be involved in our society. If you and I are not involved in what's going on around us, my friends, we are losing our nation. And your children and your grandchildren will not enjoy the America that you and I enjoy today. It is a fact. Now, how many know God can turn the thing around, but He's not going to do it by Himself. He's looking for folks to help Him. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Psalm 46, let me mention my third point now. On September 11th, we were attacked by Muslim terrorists. Muslim extremists still want to destroy us. Now, I've used some words that, that you, don't, you, won't, you probably won't hear those words connected very much in the modern media, a Muslim terrorist. Even though most of what happens as far as terrorism today is propagated by people of the Islamic faith. And when I say Muslim extremists are a word we use, uh, how many Christian extremists are in here? Let me see your hand. You didn't even know whether to raise your hand or not. A couple decades ago, they used to call us Jesus freaks. Listen, here was a Jesus freak. You read your Bible every day, you prayed, you went to church, you shared your faith, you invested your money in the kingdom, and you tried to live a holy wife, a life. If you were married, you loved your wife as Christ loved the church. If you, you were a woman, you still submitted to your husband, come on, as unto the Lord, and you were radical. Maybe that's just normal. Maybe that's just, isn't that the way Christianity should, isn't it, shouldn't all of us be extreme for Jesus? See, a lot of you thought it was a trick question and you thought I was trying to catch you in a loop. No, all of us should be extreme. Well, what we've called extremist Muslims, I'm going to suggest to you, are simply people that are practicing the basic tenets of their faith. You see, you got quiet again because you don't hear this said anywhere. Just stop and listen and they'll tell you what they're trying to do. People, people that are committed to the Muslim faith are not looking for peaceful coexistence. Now listen, not every Muslim in America is a terrorist. Not every Muslim in America, listen, uh, are, are dangerous. But if you're committed to the Muslim faith, you are trying to take over the world with Sharia law. Come on. And they look for their Savior to appear just as we look for Christ to appear again. And all you have to do is listen to them. Listen to the president of Iran who we're allowing to get nuclear weapons, who says, I'm going to wipe Israel off the map, and America, you, the great Satan, are next. All they got to do is put one of those electronic little warheads on a missile, let it go off over our, in the air, electromagnetic pulse, and it wipes out all the electricity, electronic grids, everything electronic, and it all stops just like that. They want to destroy you. Just, I, just, I just Google, just for interest, Muslims destroy America. Three words. Muslims destroy America. 3.4 million hits in less than a second. Now, you don't believe it's true. Bin Laden's number two man has put us on an alert across the country, whether you knew it or not, because he's been trying to do a second terrorist attack to commemorate September 11th. So how obvious could it be? Here's some, just some Muslim verses from the Koran. The Quran says believers 
Take neither Jews nor Christians for your friends. What did Jesus say? Love your neighbor. The Quran says, Take neither Jews nor Christians for your friends. Fight against such as those to whom the Scriptures were given. That's the Old Testament. Jews and Christians. Fight against Jews and Christians until they pay tribute out of hand and are utterly subdued. See, we think, why do you think the Muslims that are practicing, why do you think they wear their, their, their garb? Why do you think all the ladies have a burqa on? They're practicing Sharia law. Why do you think women in Saudi Arabia can't drive a vehicle? They're practicing Sharia law. Why do you think in a nation that is governed by Sharia law, a Christian cannot testify against a Muslim in court? They're practicing Sharia law. This is their law. Uh, another verse, Muhammad is God's apostle. Those who follow him are ruthless. Say it. Ruthless to the unbelievers. That's us. But merciful to one another. They are simply doing what their Bible tells them to do. When you teach your children, you read your Bible, ranging from anything, from the way you treat another person, the way you respond to your enemies. What's the Bible teach us to do to our enemies? Love our enemies. And I'm just telling you, it may not be that they were Muslim extremists or terrorists. Well, you're terrorists, yes. But it may just be that they were practicing their Muslim faith. Most of the terrorism around the world today happens through Muslim people. It's just a, Can I just... You won't hear a talking head on television today probably say that. Now, let me say again. Well, I believe our government should protect the religious freedom of everyone. That's why we were founded. America, whether I'm a Methodist, a Baptist, a Catholic, uh, a Muslim, a Hindu, uh, an atheist, uh, a New Ager, whoever I am, I have religious freedom in America. And everybody say, praise the Lord. And our government is supposed to protect that freedom. See, protect that freedom unless my religion is telling me to kill or destroy other people. And this is where it's gotten confusing in America today. I used to be troubled by President Bush when he would say, Muslims, uh, uh, the Islamic religion is a religion of peace. He's just trying to create harmony in the world. But I'm telling you, friends, when our World Trade Center blew up on the streets of cities all over the rest of the world, they were having a party. Now, you love them, but I'm telling you, friends, our government's responsibility is to protect us. To defend us. What else can I think? What else can I think about this? The Fort Hood shooter, remember? Several, several, a couple years ago now, Hassan, when he just began to kill soldiers at will, shouting, Allah Akbar. You heard it for a day or two on the press and they purged it, which simply means God is great. The same thing that the Muslim terrorists said on the airplanes in the World Trade Center, Allah Akbar, God is great. The same thing that the Muslims who, Muslims who killed soldiers at a German airport not many months ago, they all shouted, Allah Akbar. I mean, how much more simple can that be and clear? You realize the legislature of Oklahoma, not too many, I think it was this past session, where they passed a law that Sharia law would never be practiced in the state of Oklahoma. Well, you clout, but guess what the, a federal judge did? He overturned the law. Something is not connecting. Somehow political correctness has taken us as a nation beyond the fact of just protecting religious freedom to not protecting everybody else. I don't know how else you see it. If you've got a better idea, send me an email this week. And let me say this. You don't have to agree with everything I say to, be, to come to this church. Send me an email. And if I'm wrong, I'll be happy to stand up and say that I'm wrong. 
But if I'm reading the Bible to you, that's a different thing. But a lot of what I'm doing this morning is looking at some Bible principles, looking at some historical facts, and just trying to apply math. One plus one equals... Now, how should I respond to a, a, a Muslim? I'm going, to close, I'm going to close here. How should I respond as a Muslim? Kids, I want you to listen to me. First and most important thing, let me say this. We should not hate Muslim people. We should love Muslim people and because Muslim people need Jesus just like every good old boy on this planet. Come on. It's not a racial thing. It's not white, black, green, olive skin. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs that cross to be a bridge from heaven to earth. Every one of us. And I think we need to do everything in our power to bring as many Muslims to Christ as we can. Now stay with me. I want everybody to just kind of be still the next couple minutes here. We need to do everything in our power to bring as many Muslims to Christ as we can. To my knowledge, I know we have at least one person that used to be a Muslim that's in our church today. One of the finest Christian people in this church today used to be a practicing Muslim. But guess what they experienced? The love of Christ. Not self-right. See, they don't know that in their religion. They're brought up from birth to hate. And now somebody's going to tell them that God loves you and you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't get there by obeying. These guys thought they were going to end up in paradise when they crashed those planes into those buildings. That's why they did it. They did it in the name of their religion. But can I tell you, friends, when the love of God comes to you and, and you're made aware that even when you mess up, you can't save yourself. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. When the love of God comes to you, that's why I believe we need to do everything we just can to support every ministry that's reaching Muslim people. As a Muslim pastor in the Middle East that we support on a regular basis, and we've helped them, we've bought Bibles and done many things, because he goes into the belly of the beast. He used to be a Muslim priest, but when somebody gave him a Bible, that's what that little globe is about right over here. I just, I don't drink a Coke or whatever a week, and I a couple of bucks, and I just put a dollar in there. Before you know it, we got a thousand bucks, and we buy Bibles and send them where they'll do the most good around the world. But, but something touches a Muslim's heart. Come on. And that, they're going to be in heaven one day. Think back of the way you used to be. You were probably not a good person when Jesus reached down and touched you. But he found you. Come on. And he turned your life around. You need to love a Muslim. If you meet one, listen, you go to the, uh, in, uh, the airport in Dallas or you're riding in a cab, could well be a Muslim experience. Pray for that person. Offer it. Extend your hand to them. We need to be people who love, not people who hate. Come on. Now listen, if you're trying to fly a plane into my building, I'm going to defend myself. But I'm going to love you when we've subdued you, and I'm going to try to point you in the right direction. Isn't that the way it should work? It just kind of makes sense to me. It's one more large group of people that definitely need Christ. So let me close. The first thing I, want, I told you this morning was that cross offers us hope no matter what we face. second thing I told you is about America. America's Christian history and then how far we veered. We've talked a little bit about Muslims that were behind very deliberately from a religious motivation September 11th. But as Christians, we should love them, reach out for them, try to convert them. Isn't it amazing? Douglas MacArthur, during World War II, after Japan was devastated, guess what he came back and asked America to do? You not know this? Send missionaries! Because they believed that their emperor was their god. And their god had been dethroned. And he said, there's this huge vacuum and you know what they did? Missionaries didn't go. And materialism became their god. And the Japanese economy emerged as one of the most successful economies in the world. 
but because they were built on this Keynesian economics and the debt, they're, they're just kind of flatlined, just like we're doing in America today. But you know what? Missionaries is what the general came back and said to sin because Christians give hope. Can you imagine if someone said that today? We'd be laughed at. But I'll tell you, friends, I've got hope for America. How about you? I believe the same God that gave birth to this nation can cause this nation to be a great nation and live again. I'm going to close with this. Last thing I want to say to you is this. If you've, life can change in a moment of time. Psalm 46.1. Life can change in a moment of time. September 11th, it was 8-something in the morning. We were in a staff meeting in the receptionist area. We were all crowded in there in little chairs and sitting around. And Rusty Stewart called his mom, Pat, and said, Mom, there's a plane crashed into the World Trade Center. Now, we didn't have TVs everywhere. That was 10 years ago. The Internet wasn't as prominent as it is today. But we started looking for information and find a TV, plug it in, you know, get, a, get, get, get the new radio on, let's listen. And before we knew it, a second plane. And we're sitting there. It's time to be working, but we can't get up because everybody's just in shock. You remember? And he just kind of walked around in a daze for a while. Well, guess I'm going to tell you this, my friend. Psalm 46 1 says, God is an ever present help in times of trouble. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So this gets real personal. Forget everything else we've said. If you face a crisis and life changes in a moment, three of our church members, they got a call this week Daddy died. Can I tell you, in times of trouble, God is there as your refuge and strength. He's not far away. He's not hiding. But he's as close away as a prayer and extended hand towards him because he loved you so much he gave his son. And that's what I want to tell you on this day as we remember 9-11. God is there. He's not hiding. He's a strength to all those who call on him. Reminds us when we look at the cross, the bridge from heaven to earth, the sins of mankind nailed to that tree. There's hope, my friends, and there's life through Christ. I want you to give me seven or eight more minutes this morning. I want to close with a little video clip. 9-11 from a children's perspective. We're going to have a couple people pray for America, and then we'll pray for you that need prayer at the end. But uh, go ahead and hit the lights, and let's show this last video as our prayer guys come up. Let's bow your heads just a moment, and we're just going to pray for our nation just a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you right now that you'll bless our country, Lord. That the people that were on those airplanes, Lord, they were innocent, Lord. The children blessed their families through what they went through in 2000, Lord. That you'll bless our country, that the people and the Muslims will know what they did was wrong, Lord. That they'll wake up one day and know that you're the real God, Lord. And I ask you right now that the missionaries going over there, when they go over, they will not be harmed, Lord. And all the missionaries around the world, in Jesus' name I pray. God, we, we just come to you, and we just thank you for all the blessings that you poured out on America. Lord, how you have blessed us day in and day out, and Lord, how we haven't really thought about it. But Lord, we just stand and we thank you now for the things that you've given us. And Lord, we just pray that any way that you have to humble America for your spirit to come, that you would do it, Lord. Lord, that we would see revival in, inside of the Congress meetings. Lord, that we would see the, the Supreme Court, they would, they would look above them, they would see those Ten Commandments that Pastor John said. And God, that they would begin to follow them in their heart. God, that they would understand that we need your spirit for America to, to, to just remain who she is. God, we, we just ask that your spirit would just come. And Lord, we, we thank you that you, you sent the Holy Spirit as the comforter. And Lord, we, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to each family, Lord, who lost someone. And Holy Spirit, you just begin to wrap them up in your embrace even now. And God, that, that those families, they would turn to the Muslim people, not with hatred, but Lord, just with a, 
just with a zeal to see them find you in your holiness, Lord. Lord, we pray that your spirit would begin to descend on the, on Muslim people all over America and all over the world. Lord, that they would understand that they don't have to kill people, but Lord, that they can see you in the light of your holiness. And Lord, that they can find comfort and they can find love. And Lord, they can find satisfaction for their souls. In the name Thank of Jesus. God. Jesus, we are so humbled. to be your children. And Father, I ask you to, 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 to burn in our hearts compassion for the Muslims and for all the other religions. And Jesus, I, I want to I just praise your name for being Americans. And for us, we, we are still, no matter what anyone says, we are still a Christian nation. And I believe that with all my heart. And Father, I just pray that uh, as the children and the, and, the, and the high school kids, as they, as they grow up, that they are going to have the same uh, beliefs and the strong faith in you that we have. Father, I, I pray for the, the Bowie County commissioners, uh, that you will give them a boldness for our judge, that you will give him boldness to stand before uh, Satan himself and combat this and say we will fight you and we will win jesus we love you and we're so grateful to be your children amen if you want to listen to this again we'll be on our webpage or iphone app in a couple days but i want to offer a prayer this morning if you're here if you're a first responder here in texarkana we'd like to pray for you and honor you if you're someone, if you're in work with the fire department, if you're in law enforcement, if you're a medical personnel, someone that will be called on in a crisis, if you're in the military, would you stand? We'd just like to honor you and pray for you. Come on, don't be embarrassed. If you work in law enforcement, you work in the medical profession, firemen, you know, thank God. Drive an ambulance. Be standing, remain standing just a minute. You know, we may not be New York City, but we have crises here all the time, and we need you, and we want to say thank you. Yesterday I was at a ball game in Maud, and there was a bad car accident, and they couldn't get somebody out. I knew the ambulance was on its way, if not the helicopter. I mean, no, that's a real crisis. When somebody calls and said your, your dad or your brother was in our car wreck, come to the hospital, I mean, no, that's a crisis. And we need you, and we're grateful for what you do. Lord, we want to pray that you'd bless the men and women that serve our community in a selfless way. I know they probably don't make a lot of money, but Lord, what they do helps people. And we want to say thank you for those that care for us in our hour of need in the Texarkana and all over these Bowie Miller County and, of course, across this great nation. And we bless them today in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Give them one more big hand. Thank you. I'm going to close with this, and thank you for being a little patient. We went a little long today. I, we're going to have an opportunity for prayer for you. You know, I, I, I always think a church service needs to have a place where you can take your personal problem to God and somebody can pray with you because something happens when two people will pray together. And as we close our service, there will be some men and women that are up front here. If you need prayer for anything going on in your world, somebody will stand with you. It could be your life. It could be the life of someone you love and care about. It could be a great need. You may be sick in your body, whatever it may be, but somebody will pray for you. But let me ask this question before we do. I want to ask you if you today need to make a step forwards in your relationship with God. I'm asking you if your relationship with God is where it should be. Now listen to me on this. Try to give me just your attention one more moment. 
What if you were on the top of that World Trade Center building when the plane crashed? And you were trying to get out of the building through the stairs, but then you realized it was an inferno and you couldn't get out. And at some moment, you realized you were going to die. Ninety stories in the air, people were jumping off the building because the inferno was overtaking them. It was that bad. At that moment, would you be 100% sure that you'd go to heaven if that was you? See, things happen all the time to unexpected people. You can have an assurance today. You can commit your life to Christ. The cross can move from your head to your heart. See, Christianity is not just obeying rules. Christianity is a relationship with the living God. And it starts when you ask God for forgiveness and you commit your life to follow Him. So I ask you today, are you a follower of Christ? Do you need God's forgiveness today? Do you need to commit your life to Christ? In just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so we'll know you're here so we can pray for you. We won't embarrass you, I promise you, but we will help point you to Christ of the cross and help you in your next step. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need it. It's my defining moment. I don't want to wait because tomorrow is unknown. I want to give my life to Christ today. I don't want to wait any longer. I need to get right with God. I need His forgiveness. I need the hope of eternal life that only He can give. If that's you today and you'd like our prayers, lift your hand real quickly. Do it quickly. God bless you, dear. Give her a big hand. Other people today, pray for me. Lift. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Somebody else? God bless you too, ma'am. Anybody else? God bless you too in the back. Any, anybody else this morning? Some children? Anybody here today? I'm going to get right with God. Well, praise the Lord. Listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you stand. Our prayer team is going to come to the front. All you that are making steps to Christ, I want you to come and meet us here at the cross. And if you want prayer for anything, you come as well. And uh, the rest of us will sing the song through one time and, and then we'll dismiss. But go ahead and stand to your feet. Our prayer team is coming now. And uh, if you need prayer, if you need to make a step to Christ, you come and let us pray for you as well. Come on, let's just begin to worship and then we'll dismiss. Come let us pray for you. Anything is there, we'll stand with you.